You are listening to the EFCA Theology Podcast, which exists to help pastors and church leaders stay passionate about the gospel and faithful to the scriptures. In the fall of 2018, a number of pastors and leaders from across the EFCA gathered at the Free Church National Office for the annual missional summit. Our theme for the summit was what it means to be evangelical, which was the topic of the opening lecture. On this episode, we include the second session, part two, which includes messages from Pablo Cachon and Brian Lair, with a more focused and specific message to us, what it means to be evangelical in the EFCA. The speakers address the following questions. What are the challenges or positive aspects you face in reaching your community because of the name evangelical? Does this term cause barriers or does it open doors? Do church members and attenders know the rich history of evangelicalism or do you need to take time to explain what the word evangelical means? How do you share with someone who you are, why you exist, why it is you believe and do as an evangelical free church? The speakers provided practical insights from their own ministry contexts that helped us to think through how we can better serve the gospel of Jesus Christ in the EFCA. Pablo Cachon serves as Latino Ministries Pastor at New Hope Church, New Hope, Minnesota, and Brian Lair serves as pastor at Trinity City Church, St. Paul, Minnesota. Once hearing a story of an older couple who, were dri- who was driving into a, driving an old, I don't even know the year of the truck, just an old vehicle, and as the husband was driving, uh, as they would every day, the wife made a comment, and she looked at the husband and said, you know, I've noticed over the years, you've distanced yourself from me. To which the husband replied, said, I've always been on the driver's seat. The person who's really shifted is you. Because they would drive, embracing, holding hands, talking. And over the years, while he was in the driver's seat, she's the one that moved to the right further and further and further. What does it mean to be evangelical? I will share with you a little bit of my story and what that means to me. And I hope that in all of my rambling... In all my talking, you won't fall asleep if you need to stand up, stretch. Um, But you wouldn't be the first person who falls asleep during my speech time. I can assure you of that. What does it mean to be evangelical? Perhaps that's the nut that we want to crack. For me, it's not about a redefining, as probably the board heard from me yesterday. If you have an issue with me using the word or identifying myself as an evangelical, deal with it. Um, The world is throwing a lot of things at us that is making us deal with many things. If your definition of evangelical started with the Reformation, your view is very short. Your box is too small. For the Apostle Paul would say, this, this message didn't start with the book of Acts, it started way before the creation of the world. It started in the heavenlies. 
I, I unfortunately, sorry if I let you down, uh, but I'm neither Swedish nor Norwegian. There's none of that in my DNA. I can assure you of that. If not, you can ask my mom. I'm just a guy who grew up in Southern California, who now lives, of all places, in Minnesota. <laughs> Go figure the plans and the ways of God. But you know what? I'll, I'll tell you. I'm an evangelical. And not to use that title or that name because of some movement. No, for me, it's about the story. When I think about the story, the good story, the powerful story that brought life and hope and transformation to my life, that same story that I still share with others and I see transformation and life and restoration and reconciliation to those whom I serve. Let me tell you, if your evangelicalism is powerless, perhaps you need less theology and more neology. If your choices of words are less transformational, let me suggest to you, humbly, you need less theology and more neology. I understand we're, we're a movement that has sought the presence, the anointing, and the power, and the presence of the whole of the triune God in the proclamation of this story. Boy, at least for me, what does it mean to be? I, I don't know if I could even just limit it to just a few choice of words. But let me let me give you at least some words that that resound with me when I talk about being evangelical and, 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 and its, its essence. When I think of its essence, I quickly think of Paul establishing the church in Ephesus. I jump back to Acts chapter 19. What did he encounter there? Well, if you read the scriptures, it, it tells you, and most of you can probably um, exposit and exegete that scripture better than me. But he encountered some disciples who had the baptism of John. Some of us have the evangelical of Luther and Calvin. I don't want Luther or Calvin's evangelicalism. I want the, the, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? For me, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it, it, it does something in the, in the experience of people's lives. First of all, it rebuilds people. People are broken. Marriages are broken. Relationships are broken. Man, they, they, when, when we shared them the story of how God took somebody like me who was broken and rebuilt me, boy, that does something to people. Why? Because the name of Jesus is lifted up on high. You can read 1 Peter 2.14 if you want to get scriptural. For me, the, the word evangelical, it restores people. Man, you know what? There's a lot of restoration that needs to happen here. I don't know if you saw the news last night, but once again, the name, not evangelical or Christianity, but now Hollywood has thrown out the name of Jesus as a mockery. They say the only people who speak about Jesus Christ are drug addicts and Republicans. Maybe in their eyes. But that's not what the scripture tells me. 
There's a lot of restoration that needs to happen. Something that I've always loved about reading that story in Acts chapter 19 is when Paul says, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. I think for some odd reason, some of our messages lack, lack to be articulated and verbalized and proclaimed in that message. The power of the Holy Spirit's involvement in our gospel proclamation. It is he who restores, who convicts men of their sin and, and, and brings them unto Jesus. It's he who regenerates the person who is coming from death to life, from darkness to light, who breaks the shackles of sin and corruption and addiction. This is the gospel that I heard. This is what was communicated to me. And if I'm miscommunicating, please forgive me. I wouldn't be, this wouldn't be the first circle of people who call me a heretic. But he restores Ephesians 2, 14 through 19. Quickly describes the power of that restoration. Boy, I love that. I was lost, but now I'm found. I had no hope, but now I live with full confidence. I was an enemy of God. Now I'm a friend of God. And all those things that tend to separate us, the cross brought peace to all of it in Jesus Christ. I know I'm preaching. But for me, evangelicals are people, are agents and are, are people who are involved in repairing. Boy, I, I, I shared some of this at Trinity and um, I was excited. Thank you for that honor, whoever and everyone who was involved in that, getting me there. But you know what? For me, that, that, that text in Isaiah 58, verses 9 through 14, really unpacked this. If we returned to the Lord and, and, and really, really made the Lord that central proclamation and the central to our story, the essence of, man, it talks about being, being, being gardens in the desert. How different would our ministries look? Instead of declining, they would be thriving. Instead of trying to preserve something, we would be about creating an innovation. Boy, and I read those passages about being, uh, uh, being involved in restoration and repairing, being called builders. Man, that's the title I want. I, 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 Hey, I, I appreciate all the, 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 the people who have contributed in history. But you know what, folks? If we shy away from the conflict and the pressure and the rejection of the rule today, boy, we won't be any more different than some of those folks in history that didn't speak out when they should have. That didn't do things different when they should have. What will our legacy say of us? I, I, I can recall my good friend Bill Hamill. I can tell you something so, and, and it's not about all the eloquence and all the prestige. One thing I love about Bill, from a Hispanic perspective, I'm going to tell you, he was part of La Raza. You could say whatever you want, 
But for me, Bill was part of la raza. La raza is the people. He was part of the community. He wasn't afraid to eat uh, uh, tacos de lengua. He wasn't afraid to eat salsa, chips and salsa. He, 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 chorizo. Oh, man. All of that, if you don't know, a lot of that contains a lot of grease. And, 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 and a lot of that comes from pork or, or cow. But he wasn't afraid to do that. Why? Because he, he had something that I wanted. And because of his impact in my life, man, I'm going to share that with others. So I will eat chicken, fried chicken, barbecue chicken. I'm going to have Thai food. I'm going to have all these kind of strange little critters that God created because I want to be part of the people. The people who have been redeemed. The people of the cross as ISIS calls us. Is that the first time that we're being marginalized? I've lived my whole life being marginalized. Did you know that I'm fully American? But when people talk to me, they say, oh, what country are you from? Oh, yeah, I come from Los Angeles, California, Mexico. <laughs> no, really, what country are you from? I was born in the United States. But I've been marginalized by the American society. And then also, I've been marginalized by my own Hispanics because I'm not fluent in Spanish. So I, I've grown up with this marginalization all my life. But that's not, it's not about me. It's about the story that I've come to live now and experience and, and, and breathe. And, 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 and as Paul would say, that which I received, I have given to you. As it is written in the scriptures. Today we have more authority. We should proclaim that message with more boldness. That Jesus died and he resurrected according to the scriptures. For me, evangelical refreshes boy we all need to be refreshed my biggest fear for the church is that we would grow weary of talking you know reconciliation is more than just a black and white thing it's more it involves a lot more issues and i would caution us not to make it a black and white issue yes we can't change history history it is okay let's deal with it Let's create this history now, going into the, however long God allows us to live in this land. Literally, my own life. In the last three months, the doctor said, hey, you, you, can, you can experience sudden death. Okay, praise the Lord. What else is new? Well, I want to be faithful about proclaiming this message, this story, telling that story. For me, evangelical, the message regenerates boy when I read through the pages of Acts uh, or when I read through the uh, as Peter would say in 1 Peter 1 3 this is that coming out of what I was what I wasn't into this richness and fullness as God has planned it also replenishes I have one minute and that's perfect for what I have left First Peter 5, 10, and 11. The gospel message replenishes. And finally, for me to be evangelical in this message that we proclaim, reconciles. 
as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Not only that it reconciles, but this should be our ministry. This should be what it's about. We should be committed, willing to even sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice everything. Why? Because none of this is ours to begin with. We are just stewards of this. If we are fearful and try to preserve something, an institution, I'm going to tell you like I tell our, 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 well, I use my formal role. I used to say this a lot. What will happen if the church burned down today? I thank God for small groups because we continue to meet regularly and, and we have communion and we experience together the power of the gospel yes am i evangelical yes i am but for me evangelicalism or ev to be evangelical is not about my black theology white theology asian theology hispanic theology whatever theology you want to tag to that it's about the gospel of jesus christ and i like the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I am not. And I understand it's foolishness to the world. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. Thank God I'm not Jewish. But you know what? It's the wisdom of God. It's the fragrance of life to those who are being called unto salvation so i believe my uh perspective is supposed to be a, a young urban church planter batting cleanup apparently i think uh young however is a stretch uh definition for a couple of reasons um my name is brian brian lair uh yeah pastor at trinity city church uh in st paul um the young title is a couple as a stretch for a couple of reasons one um, I was 26 when I started the work of church planning in St. Paul. I'm now 36 years old. According to one study, a British study, youth ends at 35 and old age begins at 58. So according to that, technically I'm middle-aged, um, so no longer a young pastor. Second, I don't really act or uh, dress my age. Um, some of us may have uh, seen something that happens in our church when the lead senior pastor still dresses like the youth pastor. Well, I'm the 36-year-old uh, pastor that acts like I'm 58 um, and dresses like it, too. So maybe a little bit out of my element in terms of those definitions. Uh, nevertheless, never, nevertheless, I bring uh, my perspective on the question at hand. What does it mean to be evangelical in the EFCA, specifically as an urban church planter in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota? So I've been doing this work for about 10 years now, and um, the church is uh, officially eight years old. We've been doing weekly services for eight years. Uh, like all cities, St. Paul is unique and diverse. Uh, it has a neighborhood-centered culture, and sometimes St. Paul is described as 17 small towns with one mayor, and uh, it definitely feels like that. And our one mayor is uh, Melvin Carter, the first African-American mayor in St. Paul history. My specific neighborhood, Miriam Park, is near the University of St. Thomas in McAllister and Concordia. It's right between the two downtowns with a um, educational presence that dominates the culture. St. Paul's historically a Catholic town. It used to be called Pig's Eye, named after a lazy-eyed saloon owner that uh, would sell 
some liquor, especially to the, the soldiers over at Snelling. Um, the first missionaries, Catholic missionaries, changed the name to St. Paul after their favorite saint, and tourism in our city is a lot better because of it. <laughs> it's a progressive town, like many urban areas. It's common to see rainbow flags on the front porches of my neighbors, uh, yard signs promoting different liberal positions and political candidates. Uh, each weekend on the same block that our church building is at, there are anti-Trump protests uh, right on the corner. And every time I drive my daughter to dance class on Wednesday, I drive by anti-war protests on Lake Street um, as well. There's a congregational church that meets right across the road from us, uh, a little bit more buried in the neighborhood from us, and they uh, um, recently bought our uh, the ad on the bus bench. You know, in the city you can have, usually they're like real estate agents that are on these ads, but they bought the one um, ad on our property with a background of uh, a rainbow flag and bold letters that say love wins and then directions past our church to theirs uh, right right in the front. Uh, so I, I say this more as description. This is, this is the environment uh, that um, uh, my ministry is taking place in and what is going on. St. Paul is diverse racially, ethnically, and economically. These diversity, this diversity brings a rich culture when we get to experience one another's food and art and summer festivals. It also brings a history of tension and division in my ministry setting. One example of this is the history of the Rondo neighborhood, a historically African-American neighborhood in St. Paul that was completely demolished by the building of I-94. Or a more recent example is the shooting of Philando Castillo that happened in my city, and he worked at a school right down on Selby Avenue from where my family lives. This is my setting, and this is the context for an EFCA church in an urban area named Trinity City Church. So essentially, how do I handle this idea of being an evangelical in such a setting? Uh, if I were to narrow it down to one sentence, we're Protestant at the front door and evangelical around the table. So what do I mean by Protestant at the front door? On the one hand, because there's a Catholic history in St. Paul, folks are open to religious expression. They're open to tradition and Christian communities. When we named our church back in the days I was a bivocational pastor, my unchurched co-workers helped me name the church. They didn't like all the hip names at uh, the time. They didn't like the warehouse or the gallery or the woodshed. Uh, they didn't... They didn't trust those names because if they were to explore the Christian faith, they don't want to be taken back to the woodshed to do so. It just doesn't seem like a very safe place, right? <laughs> they liked the traditional names. They liked names that were clearly Christian, that had the title church in them, or even if it had Lutheran or Methodist in the title, because if they're going to explore the Christian faith, they want to know that they're going to a historically rooted Christian church that actually will talk about the Christian faith. So we named the church Trinity City Church, even though nine out of ten churches are already named Trinity, and even seminaries as well. Our church name communicates an uh, answer to another question that we often get in St. Paul, are you a liberal or a conservative church? My answer is both. We're a church because we believe in the Trinity that has deep historical theological roots. There aren't any surprises theologically at Trinity City Church. We affirm the Trinitarian creeds of uh, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, and there are no theological surprises. So in that sense, I guess we're conservative. But on the other hand, we're a city church, and the city is a changing, progressive, 
diverse setting that requires us to question maybe historic philosophical approaches to doing church that are no longer effective in reaching the hopes and aspirations of those who don't go to church any longer. You'll see that in the name we didn't include Evangelical Free in the title. Although Evangelical has a rich history, rich history as well and tradition, um, and that's already been highlighted for you, I know, yesterday and even today, it comes with some stereotypes and some baggage. Even 10 years ago, the word brought to, my, uh, to the mind of many people in my city a voting block rather than a theological heritage, and the current political climate has only heightened these matters. As thus, it's been our practice uh, to not lead with the word evangelical. Our website says we belong to a Protestant denomination, and if a conversation goes deeper, and I only have a couple minutes to talk about it, I say I'm part of the Free Church, which uh, I describe as a church started by Scandinavian immigrants who were breaking free from the state-run Lutheran church, and usually in my setting, Scandinavian and Lutheran uh, opens up the conversation a little bit more uh, than evangelical would. We might be Protestant up front, but we're evangelical around the table. We have more time to talk about it and can develop deeper relationships. I'm not ashamed of this heritage, although there are things that we need to learn from and repent of. In our membership process, we highlight that we are an evangelical church and that we're part of a denomination called the EFCA specifically. We show the beliefs in history of Protestant evangelicalism through the five solas and the addition of the belief of the priesthood of all believers. We show the beliefs of American evangelicalism using the quadrilateral of uh, the authority of scripture, the centrality of the cross, the necessi necessity of uh, conversion, and the expression of faith through activism. We draw a distinction between big E evangelicalism and little e evangelicalism. This is important in our setting. It's a distinction that's uh, been made by Timothy Keller in The New Yorker. Big E evangelicalism are those who self-identify as evangelical but have little theological beliefs that have held evangelicals together, the core beliefs. It's a default identity that looks more like a civil religion and a political or nationalistic identity than a theological heritage, where small e evangelical is the historical, confessional, multi-ethnic, and global movement uh, that has no political allegiance or political identity. We give a history of the free church that I've already mentioned, and we show how evangel what evangelical means in the EFCA, and many people that are especially unchurch or semi-church or maybe overly church are intrigued by our denomination, a denomination that has unity around core essentials, but they think it's just the greatest thing that we don't divide on baptism or we don't divide on the relationship between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And shoot, maybe one day we won't even divide on eschatology. We'll see. <laughs> Rock the boat. Yep, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so these are some of the deeper conversations, and not only in membership, but it's also in interpersonal conversations as well. And I would say that this heritage, not big E evangelicalism, but little e evangelicalism, has helped me tremendously in ministering in this context. I want to share some of the beliefs from our statement of faith that has helped me to minister in this context. The FCA believes that God has not only graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself, but also he is making all things new for his glory, Article 1 of our statement of faith. So therefore, God's 
gospel is not simply about saving individuals, but also about making St. Paul as it is in heaven. The AFCA believes that the true church comprises of all those who have been justified by God's grace through faith alone and Christ alone. This, of course, means that we call our secular neighbors to have faith in Jesus Christ. But it also means that we call the religious to have faith in Jesus Christ as well. Our Scandinavian founders may have once said in their context, just because you're a member of a Lutheran state church doesn't make you a Christian. Today, I think it's fitting for us to say to big E evangelicals, just because you self-identify as an evangelical or go to an evangelical church or vote a certain way doesn't make you born again. Repent and believe in the gospel. VFCA believes that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. We live out our faith with care for one another and compassion towards the poor and justice for the oppressed. It's already been mentioned that Christians are once again debating this point. It doesn't seem to be an issue that has much debate in the free church. It's essential. It's in our confessional statement. We don't believe we're justified by works of justice, but we also don't believe that justification, a justified life, can be separated from doing the works of justice and mercy. We found of many of the EFCA resolutions to be helpful in some of our historical moments. When the uh, white supremacist rally in Charlottesville happened, uh, we, as an elder team, got to, um, and it was with our joy, uh, posted the 1992 EFC resolution against racism, which in that historical moment happened in wake of the, the beating of Rodney King in 1991. We believed it spoke very prophetically in light of those rallies, and it helped us to minister well. Um, I have enough time to add these couple points then, because I was I thought about them from I'm sorry um, my brothers and sisters who uh, who uh, spoke before me. Um, and I just related it again to my experience because this is what I'm speaking into is how uh, this intersects, especially in my city, uh, in St. Paul, and what we're doing there. So we lean into these cultural moments, and uh, the EFCA framework has helped me to do so. Uh, I agree with some of the points that Dr. Young mentioned. It reminded me of some of his points um, of uh, another quote by a theologian named James K.A. Smith. Uh, who said we need to look at the church more politically and politics more religiously. This is something that we're, we are challenged with in our setting. So practically what this means for me is that church leaders need to develop a better public theology in discipling our followers of Jesus Christ so that they're not swept up by the religious dogma on the right or the left. That's something that we're dealing with a lot. Identity politics will challenge a disciple's belief in the identity in Christ and their belief in the doctrine of the union with Christ. And nationalism will challenge a disciple's allegiance to King Jesus and his kingdom. And if we don't have a public theology to disciple our people, they will get swept up in those religions rather than speaking prophetically to them. My evangelical framework and even my complementarian framework helps me to take Jenny's charge seriously to take uh, a creative approach to these things in the local church, and I'll share an example of how we're doing that at Trinity. Because the Me Too movement is impacting so many areas of our culture in addition to my neighborhood and the people in our church. So we think and we practice in our theological ethos uh, the reality that to be complementarian means that you need both spiritual fathers and mothers to run the household of God. You do not want a single parent household. 
So we reached back and, and discovered the office of the uh, deaconess ministry and created a directional team that includes the, our spiritual fathers, which is our elder team, and our deaconess ministry team, our spiritual mothers in our church, and we lead the church together. And that comes for me from a complementarian framework, not a neglect of it. So at the front door, we're Protestant. And around the table, when you're invited in, we'll talk about what it means to be evangelical. So I don't know what's going to happen to this name, evangelical. I have no idea. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I really have a say in the matter. I don't get to make these decisions. Um, it's the, these decisions are much bigger than me. Maybe it will be abandoned. Maybe it will be minimized. Maybe it will survive. I'm not sure what denominations will do. Uh, the LCA so far has kept it in their name. They're a bit different than us. Um, the Baptist General Conference didn't like Baptist in their name, so they switched it to Converge, which was really cool back in the 90s. <laughs> so maybe learn some lessons about name changing there. <laughs> I do think local churches and denominations that are synchronizing to secular culture will not survive. They're going to fade away. I think big E evangelicalism, this civil religion, will not survive. What will continue is the confessional, multi-ethnic, global movement of Christians that are faithful to the Lord's commission and lift high the name that is above every name, the name at which every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge. I don't know what we'll call in the future this group and movement of enduring saints or this unstoppable movement, but I know the name that they confess, Jesus Christ, and it's the only name that matters. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, you all heard um, many things. I think one thing that came through, though, all the time was, let's not focus on what the name is, but what we're doing, who we're being. Um, I have one other challenge for you, and that is I think we need to really understand and surrender when it comes to the cultural war. Uh, what we need to focus on is the call the mission, the vision, I think it's important for us to understand and surrender our sense of entitlement that America owes us anything. What we've really got to grasp is clearly, what is our mission? What is our vision? What are our metrics? How we're going to do it? What are our values? How we're confessional in terms of our statement of faith? Those are the things I think we need to be dogged about. And we need to make sure that we speak uh, to the America that is and that is to be. I think you've heard from all of our folk that we're with the Evangelical Free Church of America. That's not up for debate. What we really want to make sure that we're doing is that we're listening, attuned to culture, but we're never, ever going to compromise what the scriptures say. I think the other thing I need to say for all of us is, no matter how involved we are in the cultural engagement conversation, everything we do has always got to be accountable back to making disciples and planting churches. My concern has always been, and I'm in the social gospel issue, is that we make sure gospel means what we say it means, and that we're not compromising, and that is why I say the scriptures have to be the backbone. We've got to contextualize what it is. I think we need to also understand that we've got to surrender to the things that God is not saying fight for. Christianity throve 
in a season of slavery, in a season of persecution, in a season of financial lack of resources. China is going to be the largest Christian nation in the world by the year 2030. They can't evangelize. They are very limited in their houses of worship. Forget about budgets, buildings, and representation. Why is China thriving? They read the word of God. They do it. And they tell people. They overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. Brothers, die over what is an evangelical. Live over what you say that it is based on your word and that you're not so into yourself that we do not lift up Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of the EFCA Theology Podcast. You can find more episodes by searching EFCA Theology Podcast in any podcast app or on the web at efca.org slash podcast. Thank you.